Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. And we are starting a new series today. And the series is called Jesus versus the world. What does that even mean? Well, um, we're going to be looking at some of the prevalent cultural philosophies right now that are spreading like crazy in terms of people are stating them, they're, they're living by them, and they're all very new, but they've been in development for a long time, but they're very anti-biblical, but they sound good on the surface. So I think it's important that we take a look at these philosophies and measure them against the word of God, what Jesus said, so that we don't be deceived and that we could still continue to be a light in this world. So we'll be taking a few weeks just to look at some of these uh, prevalent you know, uh, philosophies that underneath the surface are very nefarious, very deceitful, very dangerous. And today we're looking at um, one of the, I think, I think all of us at one time or another have heard this. Uh, live your truth. Live your truth. And who's heard that? Okay. Well, if you haven't, you, you will hear it. Because it's a cultural phenomenon right now. And on the surface, it sounds like it's, it's self-empowerment. It's like accepting yourself. It's like, you know, don't, don't care about what others think. Be you. Be you. I mean, it sounds really kind of like, what's the problem with that? It's like, you know, come on, just be you. You're good. Go for it. Don't worry about other people and what they think. But what we're going to see is uh, the enemy's behind it. And it's been shaping culture for a while now. And it's only doing so uh, more at a rapid pace. So I, I wanted to look up, you know, what, what, what is the definition of to live your truth? It means to live as your most authentic self. Doing things daily that bring you happiness and joy Living as true to yourself as possible. Well, that's not. What's, what's wrong with that? I mean, come on, isn't that what life is about? Do what makes you happy. You know? Live according to your gifts. You know, find out who you are. But see, it's not just that. It goes on to say living your truth means that you unapologetically embrace who you are and present that true self to the world. But what has happened now is what they're saying is truth now is what you make it because you want to be true to yourself. doesn't matter what other people think or believe. As long as you're true to yourself, that is truth. They've actually redefined the word truth because truth is what is true in accordance with fact or reality. That's what truth has always meant. It's agreed upon because it's backed by fact, by reality. So that's what makes it true. It's true because it's true. But now what has happened, real sneakily, I don't even know if that's a word, (laughs) is that truth has been redefined. It's become subjective. It's become what is true to you is true. What is true to you is true, but it gets worse, okay? What's, I found this um, 
quote in an article that breaks it down a little more. While truth was originally based in objective reality, right? It has now been commandeered to represent a subjective reality. Most likely because if you make meaning subjective, no one can tell you you're wrong. No one can tell you you are wrong. The redefining of truth shouldn't be, surpri- shouldn't be surprising given the emotionally driven society we live in. However, this predictability does not in any way lessen the absurdity of treating truth as subjective. So this is what's happening. It's been a successful redefining of truth. So now it's subjective, meaning now if it's subjective and everyone is living by a subjective truth, there is no governing truth that brings order, right? Would you say our culture is in a state of disorder? You see, once you remove truth, which is the governor, which is the glue, disorder ensues. And what is successfully happening is that people are now saying, I am the authority. There's no longer a higher authority in terms of truth. Because if we can make truth ourselves, then we are the authority. But we are created to live according to a truth not made from us, but from a creator. Right? Right? So when it says live your truth, people say, oh, I get what that means, but look what it's produced. You see, look at the fruit of that belief. And more importantly, look at what happens when you try to say, well, I don't agree with that truth. Right? Who's the bigot? Who becomes the one that is hateful and judgmental? And all we're doing is saying, but that's not true. That doesn't fall in the governance of what true truth. I can't believe I have to say true truth. (laughs) But you have to. So I know we are all sensing it. But you see, it's far more dangerous than we can understand. Because what is happening is they're denying a creator. They're denying the creator to embrace a self-made truth so that they can feel a sense of affirmation in their identity, to become their own person according to their own beliefs. And this is the same lie Satan's been using from the beginning. Let's look at Galatians, let me Galatians, Genesis 3. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Lest you die. die. Was that truth? Was it truth? Okay. So she was stating that. It was truth. If I eat this, I will die. She didn't know the fullness and the complexity of what that meant, but she knew nothing good could come from eating that fruit that was pleasing to the eye. That look extremely edible and delicious. Watch what the enemy does. Then the serpent said to the woman, "What? you will not surely die. So there's that truth. That truth falls in line with kind of what she was seeing. That was appetizing. That looked good. I know God said this, but you're like, you're right. I don't think I would die. That looks too good. 
That's too pretty to be bad. And watch what he says. For God knows in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be what? And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Sounds familiar, right? Embrace that true you. No matter how against it is, against the truth that you have been told, it's not true. It's okay. Embrace it. Be it. And your eyes will be open. And you will know that this is who you are. This is who you were meant to be. Right? It's the same thing. (laughs) Remove God's truth. Question it. Doubt it. Totally reject it. And embrace what you know to be true. And you will be enlightened. It's dangerous. Now, 2 Timothy 4.3. God knew this was coming because it's always been around. But it says this, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, teaching an authority over their lives, but according to their own what? Desires. Their own what? Desires. We could just replace that own truth. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers that agree with their truth, that promote their philosophy, and they will turn their ears away from the what? And be turned aside to fables, to made-up philosophy, to made-up identities, to made-up things that seem absurd to those who abide by the truth, but not to them. Because once you reject truth, you're not fully rejecting it, you're just willing to accept anything That feels true to you, so you feel like you got something. Now notice, endure. For the time will come when they will not endure. I looked that up. It actually means to hold oneself up against. They will not hold themselves up against sound teaching and sound doctrine and truth. They won't allow that to be their support, their definition. They won't measure themselves against God's truth anymore. They won't put up with it. They won't endure. They will no longer Say, all right, how's my behavior and my thoughts compared to what God ordains as truth? We've got to get that out of the way because that creates accountability. So what do they do? They create their own sense of what is right and wrong. They create their own sense of truth. And then they find people and teachers that say, yes, go for it. Who are we to say there's an absolute truth? Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus wasn't judgmental. Jesus loved. Love wins. Love doesn't condemn. Love doesn't judge. Love says, be you. Jesus embraced and loved everybody, right? So people are buying into these philosophies, and these teachers are just spoon-feeding them it because they don't want to be considered a judgmental person, a judgmental teacher, right? And so this is what's happening. And this is a warning to Timothy of those that would be in the church, That people in the church won't endure truth anymore. That they would rather measure themselves against their own understanding. You see this happening culturally. You see this happening with these woke churches. It's, It's scary. They're rejecting the authority of the word. Basically, they're rejecting the truth of God's word. And allowing people and encouraging people to follow your heart and your own truth. And we're gonna see. It's all about identity, you all. 
it all gets down to this is about identity. This is about how we see ourselves, how mankind sees themselves. Either you're defined by God or you're defined by yourself. Either you're subjected to a standard, to a truth that is beyond you, above you, apart from you, or you live according to your own philosophy. This is what it's about. And we're seeing a culture now, the more they embrace it, the more chaos is ensuing, right? Because God created truth to create order and life. But the enemy has done a good one by saying, but that truth is detrimental to your real life. That truth says you can't be who you are. That truth says your life is a mistake. That truth says everything about you that you feel is wrong, and that's not okay. See, the enemy will do anything to say, no, 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 no. God didn't really mean that. God created you just the way you are. So live according to that, and you will surely live, and you'll be like God, and you'll know what good is, and you'll know what evil is, because you essentially have become God for yourself, right? Now, let's look at Isaiah 5.20. This really speaks to the redefining of truth, to the phenomenon of living your truth. It says this, woe to those who call evil what? Does that resonate with anybody? Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. See, this is what happens when you live your truth because we are sinful by nature. Our hearts are deceitful. There is a sin issue. This ignores it, right? And he goes on, who put darkness for what? And light for who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Watch this. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Or another way to say that, woe to those who live according to their own truth and prudent in their own sight. This is the product. Evil becomes good and good becomes evil. So those who abide by the truth become the evil ones. Because you're encroaching on their ability to live according to their truth, and that makes you hateful and judgmental, right? This is what happens, and it's called enlightenment. We, haven't, we won't even get into the wokeism, but it's a product of this. Something that could start good, well-meaning, the enemy can take and twist it and use it as a tool for death. And we are living in a culture now that has embraced evil for good. And the church continues to be more and more ostracized as those who are evil and judgmental because we subject ourselves to a higher truth. Guys, let me tell you, this was hard to study because it's so confusing. It's hard to nail down. And the enemy does that on purpose. It's just kind of so out there, but yet it produces the fruit that we're seeing. Because everyone interprets it a little differently, but when you boil it down, what it's really saying is, I am the creator of my own destiny. I am the creator of my own identity. The only one I have to answer to is me. And that's what the enemy will always speak. To reject God and to embrace self. Now, John 14, 5. 
Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how we can know the way. And Jesus said to him, I love this. If there's any clear rebuttal, (laughs) a verse that refutes all of this stuff is out of the mouth of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. You're not the way. I am the truth. You definitely aren't the truth. And I am the life. You cannot produce life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Wow, that's so narrow-minded. That's not politically correct, right? How can you do that? How can you, Jesus, how can you say you're the only way? Come on. Everyone has their truth. Everyone has their own God, their way to God. God loves everybody. He respects every way that people communicate with him. How can you say, Jesus, come on. What is truth, really? But again, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. The world is saying, you are the way and you are the truth. So we don't say I live my truth unless my truth is Jesus. My truth is Jesus. So my truth is dictated by the truth of God. My instincts, my behavior, my understanding is dictated and submitted to the word of God because it is truth and it's over my life. And I measure myself against it. And I know that the Holy Spirit is within me, helping me grow in the knowledge of truth, to walk according to the truth because in that is life. You know, when it comes to identity, what are people really after? Life. They're not out there trying to make people mad. These people are trying to find life and acceptance, right? And the enemy's like, yes, this is the way you do it. You have to be true to yourself, no matter what it is. And in that, you will have life. See, they're searching for something they will never find. And once you reject truth, there's no cap on how that manifests in people's lives, right? And once society as a whole embraces this, now there's no standard within culture saying, you might want to question that. It's like everything goes. But everyone's searching for life, but everyone's becoming more and more hateful, right? Accept me, accept me, accept me, accept me, accept me. I'm going to force you to accept me. How dare you say I'm wrong, right? There's no stop, right? And that's why we have to be strong in the knowledge of the truth and not veer from it and not try to find doctrine that maybe feels a little better to us, not so judgmental, right? Because ultimately the truth of God is liberating. They just don't know it. Watch this. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are whose workmanship? Not our own. Notice that? For we are our own workmanship, creating our lives and our identity in our own knowledge and understanding. No, for we are his workmanship purposely created in Christ Jesus for what? Man, that sounds nice. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's the good news of truth. 
You have been created. And no one knows you better than the creator. And no one knows you better than the one who is the author of truth that says this is how you are to live your life so that you can become fulfilled in who I made you to be. You see? When you reject all of this and become your own creator, where's the hope in that nothing outside of you is bigger? What do you do when all you have is your own truth and all of a sudden that truth isn't working for you? How unsettling is it to have to keep reforming your truth, right? How unsettling would that be when you've done everything you possibly can to be the authentic self, no matter how crazy it is, and you're still like, I'm really unhappy. What can I do next so I feel fulfilled? And the whole time, the answer is right there in the name of Jesus. But Satan has said, that's too judgmental and too narrow-minded. You're not going to find life there. Just judgment and rejection. Mm. You see, this is a tangled web of deceit. And we see it. But we have to be strong, don't we? Now we're going to understand what that means. Because as believers in truth, God, Jesus also said, but as you apply the truth to yourself, always be aware that there may be a giant plank in your eye before you go poking other people. The problem is the church, I can't say the church as a whole, but many use truth as a baseball bat. There's no love found in the judgment, right? Look who Jesus walked with. Ones that were completely judged and outcast. And he walked with them, not to say keep doing what you're doing, but to give them truth so their life would become awakened. But a lot of times Christians get in the way. Remember, we're to, uh, to walk in good works. It doesn't mean that you can't be horrified, right? It can't mean that you know, you, you're, you're going to feel emotions because, yes, when you see things go against the truth of God, when you hear that they're teaching, what they're teaching kids in school and forced to embrace this truth, every individualistic truth, it's horrifying. I'll spare you the details of what my daughter had to learn in sex education at a public school. But basically, it was... This, the fruit of this mindset. Everything goes, and we can't judge. We need to learn so we can accept, right? We don't accept. We love in the hopes of repentance. But it is dangerously scary. Like, it's, it's, it's scary because it's so dangerous is what I meant to say. And you're like, these kids don't even have the capacity to process this, right? Boys in dresses. Teachers. A male that says she's a female. And the class has to call her that. This is like you're 12, 13 years old. But they're teaching, that's her truth, or his truth. That's their truth, you see what I mean? This is what begins to happen. See, it forces acceptance because if you don't, see, you can't call it wrong if it's, if it's subjective, right? How dare I judge that truth? 
Because everyone has the ability and the right to live according to their truth, right? How dare I say anything against it? This is what began. We're the crazy ones. But we're not. We're the ones that carry the light and the truth. So how do we respond in a culture like this? With hate and aggression? No, by the grace of God, we have to know we are here in this time for a reason. Jesus came down and walked amongst sinners, a perfect righteous God who sees sin a lot more tragic than we can. He came down and dwelt among sinners so he could save them, right? So we have to, all right, Lord, help me. It's heartbreaking, right? It hurts to see this stuff. And it's growing and growing and growing and growing. Why? Because we have the interwebs. We have social media. So any new truth, any new philosophy is shoved out there and accepted right away by millions and millions and millions of people, right? So it's only going to grow worse and worse. So what do we do in this? We know what truth is. And we know we are here to live according to the truth, which transforms us. And we're going to see what that looks like so that we could be a reflection of God, not just in the commands, not just in the truth, but in how we love and understand what that is. Because is love acceptance? No. If you just let your kid do anything he or she wanted, would you really love them? No. If you judge your kid according to your rules, isn't that smart? Aren't your rules there to help build them up? To make them mature? A law-abiding citizen? (laughs) You don't want them to be a jerk. But yet we're being told that rules and standards are actually not love. See, love wins really means non-judgment wins. Non-standard wins. Love just says, that's cool. That's okay. Be who you are. Does that sound like God? Why would Jesus come down and die on the cross if God's saying, just be who you are. There's no big deal. There's no accountability. There is none of that. God set a standard for good, for life, right? And we are here as ambassadors of a truth higher than us. See, John 17, 15 says this. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Oh, please. Sometimes who said that? Lord, come. Oh, come. And that's okay. That's okay. But if he doesn't come, we're stuck here. Right? You know, as long as we're here, we have to know Jesus has placed us in this world. Not just to live in hate and disgust and anger, but to make a difference. To help some of these people who are in darkness actually find light. To help people that are living according to their truth find the truth. But that you should keep them from the evil one. He kept us here, but he's going to keep us from the evil one. These evil philosophies that could suck believers in because they don't want to be considered hateful and judgmental and narrow-minded. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Watch what he says. Sanctify them, set them apart, make them holy by what? So what does the truth, God's truth, how does it impact us? It makes us holy. (laughs) When we apply truth, it makes us more and more holy. 
because it's God's standard that we are doing our best to abide by, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we're not gonna become more and more hateful as things get worse and worse. If anything, the more we apply truth, the more holy and righteous we are going to be, and we can then now deal with this in a way that maybe God would deal with it. Because remember, he came down to die so that no one would perish. No one would perish. And I know some of it, we see things out there like, I just wish they would just go away. <laughs> Remember, Jesus died for them. <laughs> and who carries the message and the truth of Jesus? And that could go anywhere. Now, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into where? And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by truth. So our truth in Jesus is that we are being set apart as instruments, as lives for the goodness of God to work through. It doesn't mean we accept everything. We can make judgment on it, but we still do our best when we meet people to help present who Jesus is through our lives and our attitudes. It's hard because what is happening is so bizarre, right? It's so against what we know and understand. Yeah, Jesus walked and saw all of this. So yes, be convicted. Understand what's happening. Understand the deception, but no, you're a part of the solution. We get to carry Jesus where we go. And how we carry ourselves can mean that someone actually opens their ears and listens or not. Because the truth will set you free. The truth is power. The word of God never returns void. We get to carry that truth. You all, here it is, 2022, and we all are here. And it's getting crazier. But our God is the same, right? Our God is the same. Our God is the same. Our God is with us, right? Always. And he walks before us. And he has created us for good works that we should walk in them. And good works is rooted in the love of Christ. We don't know what those look like, but they are good works. So I'm excited about this series because the more educated we are, the better, I think, ambassadors we can be. Because it's good to be convicted of the evil. It's good. But don't let it make you evil and bitter and loveless. Let it solidify why you are here, right? To be an ambassador for Jesus by how we live. And we can't control who receives it or not, but we can control ourselves, right? So yes, live your truth. No, live Jesus' truth. Do not live your truth. Live Jesus' truth. Amen? Amen? All right, Lord, thank you. Jesus, thank you. We are blessed to have truth, blessed to have you above our lives, blessed to have a loving Father who has given us truth and commands to keep us from the evil one, to keep us from death, to keep us from sin, so that we can live 
in the fullness of life that only comes through obedience to your truth, through your spirit working through us. And Lord, I pray for all of us that we don't magnify the sin over your love, but that we dig into you and we, and, and we endure and we, we fill ourselves with you so that when we go out, Lord, we, we can do good work. That words can be laced with grace and kindness. It's your kindness that leads to repentance. Lord, we know we're, you see people as people struggling for identity, dying inside, doing everything they can to find life. And Lord, how dare we withhold life because we don't agree. But Lord, help us see them as lost orphans, fatherless, motherless beings that so desperately need the care of their creator. Help us, Lord. I pray for opportunity, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and mercy that we are able to live within. Fill us up, Lord. We love you. We love you, Jesus. We worship your holy name. We praise you. Amen. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.